Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gobi-Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is on pay-per-view this weekend, UFC 282, live from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. We will, of course, be breaking down the brand new vacant light heavyweight championship fight, as well as two other of the main fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat. Plus, as always, I'm bringing you guys the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is Billy Quarantillo, who is talking about his fight on the card. And a little bit later on, Jay Perrin is all fired up getting ready for his fight with Raul Rosas Jr. Before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast is brought to you by Pickett. Pickett is the social betting platform that allows you to sync all of the action from your sports books in one nice, neat little spot right there in the palm of your hand. Not only that, but you can stay up to date on all the bets your friends are dropping and show off your big scores as well. It's a great place to build a following if you're an up-and-comer in the sports betting world, or hey, if you're an established veteran, maybe you're trying to expand that audience, Pickett is a great way to do so. So whether you're a regular or an experienced or, hey, a brand new better, stop what you're doing right now. Join the Picket community by downloading the Picket app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Picket brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready. For Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Billy Quarantillo, who fights Alexander Hernandez at UFC 282. That fight is, of course, on December 10th. So, Billy, before we start talking about your upcoming fight, I did want to ask you, you, you had a little bit of a leg injury that pulled you out of that Bill Algeo fight earlier in the year. Can you give us a little bit in insight into what the extent of that injury was and, and what the recovery time looked like? Yeah, so, um, yeah, thanks again for having me, Dan. And, and you nailed my last name, which is a big deal <laughs> to me, so I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so it was one of those things that uh, it was actually the first time I've had an injury where I've had to pull out of a fight. And it was also the first time I had a, like a severe injury that didn't require surgery. So that was one of the, one of the problems that I faced. So I basically was sparring super hard, was probably going way too hard sparring. Um, I ate a real bad leg kick and it basically was one of those situations where I was actually traveling. I was in New York training and took a real bad leg kick. I had to fly back from, from New York to Tampa the next morning and I literally couldn't even walk on it. I could have sworn my leg was broken. And it was one of those situations where I couldn't even walk through the airport. So I had to get pushed around in a wheelchair through the airport. It was so embarrassing. And so basically what happened was I got an MRI after. It was a severe bone bruise on the fibula, but it was also connected to my knee, which had some minor tears. So that was basically stopping me from being able to walk on it. Uh, the doctors told me that I might be able to start moving and walking, or, you know, in the next few weeks. Uh, so I didn't pull out of the fight right away, but it turned into literally not being able to walk. I was trying to train through it, just having miserable training sessions, super painful. And then basically I had to pull out of the fight because of it. And I didn't need surgery, but even 
you know, because it was about five weeks before the fight, even when the fight took place, I was still having a hard time walk on it. So it was definitely the right call. Uh, it was an unfortunate situation. Um, and now I've basically gone the whole year without fr- without fighting, which has been frustrating. But I'm staying positive and I'm super excited for December 10th. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Now, I wanted to ask, too, you know, you, you, you mentioned it being frustrating that you've been so long without a fight. I, I know you're a guy who was born in New York, and that fight being in Long Island, was it extra frustrating to know that, like, the, there was a chance to fight in the, the you know, the, the state you were born in and not get a chance to do so? Yeah, that was a big part of it. And not only that, but when the injury happened, it was five weeks before the fight, so people were messaging me every single day oh, man, I can't wait for your fight. I just bought tickets. Uh, I'm flying out there. I had my whole family coming out there. They were buying, like, box tickets and all this stuff. And I kind of gave my family an update. You know, I'm like, I'm a little banged up right now. And to actually have to say no was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But then watching the fight and actually watching, that was um, when uh, Yair Rodriguez, and Brian Ortega, Brian Ortega ended up having like a freak injury. Uh, and then in the fight that I had, Bill Elgio and Herbert Burns, Herbert Burns ended up basically re-injuring his torn ACL knee. Um, and now he's going to be out probably for a really long time. So it just justified that I made the right call. Sometimes you got to be smart uh, in this game and you can't risk it. And you know, fortunately enough, I don't need surgery. I don't need to be out for an extended period of time. And now I'm, I'm, like I said, man, I just can't wait for December 10th to get back in there and take out my frustration on uh, Hernandez. <laughs> well, that's, that's good to hear. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to that fight in just a second. But before we talk about the stuff leading up to that fight, I, I noticed that you ha- have been giving fans another way to see the stuff leading up to your fight. You've got documentary video blogs going up all the time. You know, I believe the, the second part of it just dropped. And you've been doing it on OnlyFans. And, and I wanted to just ask you, first of all, you know, part of why did you choose to start dropping things this way? And and second of all, you know, tell people a little bit about what they can catch there. Yeah, so the the vlog series is something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. And I didn't want to just put it on like regular Instagram or regular YouTube for a few different reasons. Obviously, I don't want my opponent and all the, and just whoever just to watch it. Um, but it it was something I already wanted to do the vlog series because I want to look back on all this stuff like, Oh man, you were doing this, you were doing that. Um, so I already had the vlog series in mind. And then out of nowhere, the company only fans approached me and my manager and they basically wanted to get a deal. They basically were interested in sponsoring me, but they wanted a certain amount of content. So it kind of worked out perfectly because I can kind of have that shield. I'm not charging anyone for the only fans. It's completely free. I know a lot of people look at OnlyFans in a certain light. You know, they think it's just uh, women doing whatever, doing all kinds of different stuff, all kinds of graphic stuff. But they're actually, and I actually had a a great sit-down chat with this guy, Dylan, who is like the head of signing athletes and stuff. that. And they're actually trying to go a lot more mainstream and signing a lot of different, you know, fighters, boxers, athletes, race car drivers, artists. Um so after he kind of assured me of that and that's what they wanted me to promote, uh, I had no problem with it. And I do like how you do have to subscribe to it and it can't just be anyone watching what I'm doing. It is a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So it's a lot of stuff that I'm working on for this fight, a lot of training scenes. 
And then it's also a lot of stuff that we worked on. This last episode is like with my wife and my kid and we're going, you know, we're looking at uh, Christmas trees and then it's a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's away from the gym that I have to deal with and that I'm, I go through um, as a, as a fighter and as an athlete. Well, that's awesome. And it's cool that you got an avenue to do that. That That is so exclusive like that. And, and guys, if you want to check that out too, you can of course check out the links in his Instagram. So let's get to what we were talking about before, which is of course the fight with Alexander Hernandez. Now, we talked about losing the fight with Bill Algio, and obviously Bill Algio, a fun action fighter, but Alexander Hernandez, you know, a lot of people would argue is a step above that. He's a guy who's fought, you know, Hanato Moicano and Drew Dober and, you know, top guys in the division, Donald Cerrone, Olivier Alba-Mercier, Benil Dariush. He himself was ranked recently. What did you kind of think of when the UFC, you know, you, you lost the fight with Algio, and here they go offering you perhaps even a bigger name? Yeah, yeah, I was I was game. Well, so the, I, I keep telling the story that, so my manager, Jason House, Iridium Sports, they manage so many different fighters. So, and I, and I do appreciate Jason House. We spend a lot of time talking. He's just a, a smart businessman, and he, he's been in the game for a very long time. So we were messaging each other back and forth, and this was probably in August. And they basically said, after I had to pull out of the LGO fight, let me know when you're good to go. Okay, so I hear about this fight that's actually happening this weekend, UFC Orlando. Uh, I, I hear about it in August, and I message my my manager. We're texting back and forth, and I say, I think I'm going to be good to go in December. I already started training again. Uh, I'm going to have, you know, I want a long training camp, but let me know if I can get on the Orlando card. Okay, so he messages me back. Just talk to the UFC. What do you think about Alexander Hernandez in Vegas? And so, as you know, Alexander Hernandez is a 55er. So I'm thinking he like messaged the wrong guy. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Are we, do you want me to go up to 55? Is he going to come to 45? Why not do it in Orlando? Um, but it was one of those situations where I, we kind of figured it out that, that that's what he wanted me to do. And I felt like I wasn't really in a position after pulling out of this fight, which I hate pulling out of, you know, anything. I've never had to pull out of a fight before. Uh, I felt like I couldn't be like, oh, why don't you just put me a week before in Orlando? Uh, so I agreed to it right away. And I do like the matchup. I don't mind fighting really tough opponents. You know, that's why I got in the UFC. And I think a win over the more popular Alexander Hernandez will be bigger for my career. And, the thought of him having to come down to my weight class, which I've I've had six UFC fights. I won the contender fight on. I'm used to making 145. I'm very comfortable with it. The thought of him having to lose 10 extra pounds was fine for me. You know, so we've seen him in all those fights. But all those fights, he has a little bit of extra size. He has a little bit of extra power. Uh, we're, we'll see how that translates. I'm expecting to fight the best Alexander Hernandez. But given the bigger name, I actually get more excited about it because I knew who Bill Algier was, and obviously I know who Alex Hernandez was, but Hernandez is more of a, a bigger name in my opinion. For sure, for sure. Now, I also wanted to ask you, you said you were really hyped and you wanted that fight in Orlando more than anything. Is it, you know, the, the chance to fight in Florida? Is it, you know, the live crowd experience? What, what was about the Florida card was so exciting for you? Yeah, oh, well, just because the main reason is because I live in Tampa and it would have just been such an easy 
commute not only for me but for my coaches my coaches all train here or all, all live here obviously uh a lot more fans i would have had a ton of fans that live in the tampa area that would have made that easy drive it's about an hour hour and 15 minute drive and it would have just been a lot easier uh just for everything we wouldn't have had to pay for flights hotels uh all that stuff we literally like my coaches probably would have driven over there friday and probably stayed for two nights um and then we know we know a lot more people for after parties a lot more of my friends would have been able to come so just all that it really would have been like a hometown fight so i'm hoping for after this fight um of course i'm not looking past alexander hernandez but i would love to fight either in buffalo in tampa or overseas is kind of my next option for uh after this fight obviously got to go out there get a huge statement win over Hernandez and then we can kind of move on from there hell yeah so let's talk a little bit about the fight itself then you know you mentioned need a statement win Hernandez coming down in weight you know an already bigger guy he's a guy who doesn't go to decision very often too he's a guy who brings a lot of action a lot of you know he's a heavy puncher give us a prediction how do you see this one ended with Alexander Hernandez on December 10th yeah, I think it's uh, it's no surprise what I want to do. I want to go in there and grind him out and make it an ugly scrap, make him work for make him work every single second, really make him feel that weight cut. And my prediction is I'm going to break him. I'm going to break him at some point in the fight, whether it's right in the first round, whether I catch him slipping and I catch him with a big shot, or whether I have to grind him out for 15 minutes. I'm preparing myself for 15 minutes of war. And I'm excited for that. It's one of those things where I don't need to go in there and get one big knockout win. If I if I grind him out, if I can take his best shot, he's going to have to deal with me for 15 minutes. And that's a lot to ask, especially someone who's cutting extra weight for this for the first time, most likely. Uh, and someone who got finished last fight, who tapped out last fight, something that I've never done in my career before. Uh, he's got a lot to deal with going into this fight. Absolutely. And we are 100% looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this has been Billy Quarantillo, who fights Alexander Hernandez at UFC 282. That fight is on December 10th. Billy, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem, Dan. Anytime, man. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Billy Quarantillo. I, once again, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. UFC Orlando this past weekend. We had the main event where Wonderboy turned back the clock a little bit, looked phenomenal. My question for you is, is he still a threat at welterweight, or is this just a guy who is out here going to beat everybody who kickboxes with him and nobody who wrestles with him? Yeah, that well, you just said it right there. I mean, you know, if someone's going to open up and try to kickbox with Wonderboy, then yes, he's absolutely a threat. But if you have the right game plan if you could try to wrestle him up, make it more of like an inside dirty war, don't let him be at range, then no. Wonderboy is not a future champion in this division, but that's not to say, and I think he even said this in the post-fight, like, let's just have some fun fights on the way out. Um, so, you know, if I'm the UFC matchmaker, I just keep matching him up with people I think are going to do that. But no, I, I don't think he's going to, you know, make a late run to the title. How about you? Yeah, I agree with you. It, it's funny. I was looking at the UFC's top five because he's currently ranked six. And if you were to move him in an upward trajectory, which there's no reason to, right? He just beat Kevin Holland, who's unranked. But if you were to move him in the upward trajectory, the one I give him the best chance against is Leon Edwards. 
Because uh, right. he's not beating Kamaru Usman. Usman's just going to wrestle the hell out of him. He's not beating Colby Covington. He already lost to Bilal Muhammad. Uh, he's not beating Kamza, and he already lost to Gilbert Burns. So, like, there ain't anybody up there that he could beat with the exception of maybe Leon Edwards, and he's going to have to beat one of those wrestlers to get to the top. And, you know, not for anything, the rest of this division has also got a bunch of wrestlers in it. You know, they got the Sean Brady's in... You know, not that we think of him as just strictly a wrestler, but Shavkat Rachmanov has got great grappling to his game, too. Even somebody like Neil Magny can be tough on the wrestling department. So while uh, I, I did think it was an impressive performance, which, by the way, we did call last week and saying that, you know, Kevin Holland's going to kickbox with him and that's a mistake. Uh, yeah, I just don't I don't have very positive prospects for him in a division that's filled with wrestlers. Well, I agree completely. I'll tell you what we do have positive <laughs> prospects for, and that's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, for a UFC-numbered pay-per-view. Always exciting when we get to break down a big card like this. Of course, it could have been better had Glover and Yuri stayed on the card, but still fun nonetheless. So, Gumby, before we get into it, before we give the fans a couple of fights we like, some dogs we like, a parlay to play, one may wonder if anyone sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by MyBookie. Your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position, and it's time that you did too with MyBookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the best of combat sports like the UFC or play for your share of big cash prizes in their weekly blackjack tournaments. Sign up at MyBookie. Use promo code TOPTURTLE. On a deposit of $500 or more, and you can claim a bonus of up to 200 bucks. That's right, 200 bucks. Again, that promo code is TOPTURTLE to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for betters to look and get their cash in and out quickly. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. So as UFC fans, we're used to uh, chaos reigning supreme sometimes when someone gets injured or suspended and this is one of the more unlikely title fights out of nowhere i've been watching ufc since ufc one i didn't watch it live but that next year i caught a vhs of it uh this is wacky so glover and yuri were supposed to fight for the title yuri gets injured ufc tries to challenge or tries to essentially force glover to take a short notice fight against one of these two fellas Glover refused to. Smart idea for him. He's only got one fight left, and he really wanted Yuri. But then instead of saying, oh, this is for an interim, no, no, no. The UFC has made Magomed Ankiyev a minus-240 favorite against Jan Blankovitz, the former champion, a plus-200 dog, is for the vacant, light, heavyweight title. And I'd like to take you, dear listener and Gumby, on a little journey how we got to this because these two men have taken much different career trajectories to find themselves in a title shot this Saturday night. Magomed Ankilov was a 9-0 and prospect when he entered the UFC in March of 2018. The sky was the limit. Everyone knew the Russian fighter had something going for him, but what happened? He walked into a triangle choke of Paul Craig's, and he lost 0-1 in the UFC. Did he fold up shop? Did he cash in his chips? No, no, no. He then reeled off nine wins in a row. He's coming off a big TKO win over Anthony Smith to earn this title shot, and it's why he is the favorite against the former champion, Jan Bankovic. Since losing his title to Glover Teixeira, he came back with a TKO, really it was a knee injury, uh, that Alex, Alexander Rakic suffered, 
and now finds himself back in the title, but not for the person who beat him, not even for the new champion in Yuri Brzezhaka, but against a up-and-comer in Magomed Ankielov. What a title fight. Who you got? So I'm going to go with Jan Blachowicz here, who's a pretty substantial underdog. And here's why. I think a lot of people see that name, Megamatic Lev, and say, oh, it's a Russian guy. Incredible wrestling, right? And not that we haven't seen decent wrestling out of him, but do you know what his takedown accuracy is in the UFC? Well, he do you want to take a go, stab at it? He, he doesn't go for a lot of them, but I'll just say, is he somewhere in like the 55% range or something? 33%. Uh, he hits one out of every three takedowns he shoots. Uh, and to your point about it doesn't feel like he shoots for a lot of them, he shot for nine against Nikita Krylov when he fought Nikita Krylov. He fought, he shot nine freaking takedowns against Nikita Krylov, and he landed three of them. Nikita Krylov stuffed this man six times. Same thing when he fought Volkan Ozdemir. He shot four takedowns on Volkan Ozdemir. He got one of them. One of them. So, like, this is a guy who I think people are saying, you know, the tiebreaker here and the fact that they're both decent strikers is that Ankoliev has the wrestling game. I don't think he's going to wrestle Jan Blankovic. I think he's going to be on the feet with Jan Blankovic for as long as this fight lasts. And I'll tell you what, if you're asking me who I think has better knockout power with their punches, give me Jan Blankovic all day. You know, like... He stood and traded with Tiago Santos for, for 15 minutes. He stood and traded with Volkan Ozdemir. He stood and traded with Nikita Krylov. And only, or no, none of those guys he knocked out. He only knocked out Anthony Smith. So I don't think Ankoliev is going to go in there and knock out Jan Blankovic. And I do think Blankovic could knock him out. So, yeah, give me Blankovic and give me that fat number on him, too. Well, this is a wild pick, and I respect the heck out of it. And that's a decent 2-1 uh, to one underdog. I myself am taking Anki alive, but I really like what you just laid out there. Patty Pimblett is a minus 190 favorite. Jared Gordon, a plus 160 dog. Patty Pimblett, with his Owen Hart haircut, is really winning the hearts and minds of UFC fans since debuting. He's undefeated in the UFC. He's coming off a KO uh, debut, then two rear naked choke finishes. So, you know, the guy's a finisher. He's got three finishes. And he finds himself the minus 190 favorite here to Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon, on the other hand, uh, is coming off a win over Leonardo Santos, but lost to Grand Dawson before that. Had himself a nice three-fight win streak before that. So he's four and one in his last, or excuse me, he's three and one in his last four. Uh, and he's been doing the damn thing in the UFC since 2017. He finds himself the dog here at plus 160. Who you got? I'm actually going to go dog-dog here at the co-made event and made event. I'm going to take Jared Gordon here. I It's not that I don't see the promise in Patty Pimblett, and it's not that uh, I don't think Patty Pimblett has got some potential. I just think his, first of all, his striking is a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, he, he swings pretty hard. He's not out there dancing on anybody or picking anybody apart, right? Like, he, he's going for the hammer shot, and... On the ground, I don't think that he's going to out-wrestle Jared Gordon, right? Like, Grant Dawson did, but Grant Dawson is, like, massive in an absolute beast, and Grant Dawson has been killing everybody. But, like, nobody else has had a good time with Jared Gordon on the mat, and that includes guys like Chris Fishgold, who was a, uh, you know, a Commonwealth Games wrestler for, for the UK. So, with all that being said, yeah, like, I think Jared Gordon probably can get some top position time here on Patty Pimblett, and if not, I think, like, you know, just seeing him outstrike uh, Leonardo Santos the way he did last fight, 
I think he might be able to pick him apart from the outside and win there too. So yeah, give me dog here, both at the top, Jared Gordon. Nice. Uh, Dreykus Duplessis, a minus 140 favorite to Darren Till, a very slight dog at plus 120. Till's on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to Robert Whitaker, lost to Derek Brunson via rear naked choke. He'd have to go back to a split decision win against Calvin Gastelum for his last win. That was in November of 2019. He had lost to Woodley and Masvidal before that, so he's on a very tough one and four in his last five, but fighting some of the tops of the division there with names such as Robert Whitaker and then back at 170, uh, Tyron Woodley and Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Duplessis is 3-0 and in the UFC, much like Patty Pimblett, and he finds himself the minus 140 favorite. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Dragus Duplessis. Uh, I, I just am, I've been blown away with how this dude looks in the UFC so far. You know, the knockouts, the, the fact that he just put it on a very tough Brad Tavares nonstop for 15 minutes. The guy looks like he's got all the tools. And, well, I don't think he's a threat to, like, take down Darren Till. I do think he can threaten that enough to keep Darren Till worried about it. Because, notoriously, Darren Till's biggest flaw is that he can wind up on his back. And when he does, he doesn't get up very well. Um, You know, like, he was lauded for his takedown defense while he was down at uh, welterweight. And then, obviously, Woodley got the best of him there. I think it's a little harder for him to stuff the takedowns now that he's up at middleweight. So I'm a little bit worried about that with Till. But at the end of the day, just even the threat of it is bad for him. Because, I mean, ultimately, that's what cost him against Whitaker. That's what cost him against Derek Brunson. And so Duplice is just threatening that I think is going to open up the hand. So I'm going to take the favorite in the third fight here. I'm going to take Dragus Duplice's. I like it. Um, let's see then. Why don't we move to our... Uh, let's go with our dog of the week. It's Chris Dawkins, a plus 155 over Jerizo Roizenstrike. What do you like about him? So, first of all, I think Chris Dawkins is being kind of underrated here, plus 155. Remember that this guy debuted in the UFC and knocked four straight people out, including two ranked fighters in Alexei Olenek and Shamil Abdurakahimov. Now, Olenek's not still ranked, and Abdurakahimov may have fallen off the rankings already, but now people are writing him off after back-to-back knockout losses. To Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. Like, why are we, we you know, counting this dude out? Whereas Rosenstrike here, I don't think he's been on a better run either. He's a guy who, you know, has had trouble with the takedown. Not that I think Dawkins is for sure going to keep going to it. But he's also had trouble with inactivity. In some of his fights, he looks overly patient. Even in the fight he won against Overeem, he kind of just waited around until the 25th minute where he landed the big bomb. Now, of course, he's got the chance to land the big bomb all the time, but the thing about Chris Dawkins, super fast, super quick. So, yeah, give me Chris Dawkins on the dog money here. I like it. We got a lot of dogs in this uh, on this card. Our parlay to play is Billy Quarantillo, a minus 165 favorite. Pair him together with Edmund Shabazian, a minus 280 favorite, minus 165, minus 280. But playing it in the parlay gets you very slight plus money at plus 103. Break it down. So, yeah, I like friend of the show, Billy Quarantillo, here against Alexander Hernandez. I don't know how Alexander Hernandez uh, plans to change weight classes here. It sounds like the craziest thing ever because he's a big dude already. And I think that's a recipe for disaster against a guy like Billy Quarantillo, a guy who can put on pace and get it gritty. And, And for that reason alone... I think it's trouble for Alexander Hernandez to be down in division. I think his cardio is going to gas. I think you're going to see as this fight goes on, this is all Billy Quarantillo. I'm also taking Edmund Shabazian, which I know a lot of people are fading just because he's looked so bad recently, but he took some time off. He changed his gyms. He changed his management team. He's no longer training with uh, our favorite head movement uh, guru, 
down in California. He's gone up to Extreme Couture. He's working with Dewey Cooper. He's working with all kinds of great striking coaches. So I, I really like the idea of him turning his career around and changing things up. And he's fighting Dolce Lugiambula, a guy who I think, you know, while he has power and he has some takedown abilities, I think Shabazian is going to be the longer, rangier fighter and kind of just pick him apart. So I think he justifies that negative 280 price tag. But of course, we want to juice it up a little bit with another favorite. Boom. Well, that wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. You, of course, can let us know if we did your right or did you dirty with these picks at Top Turtle MMA on your social media of choice, except Facebook. We don't mess with Facebook or Meta, or I guess it's still Facebook, but owned by Meta. We don't like them. Anyway, well, I'll tell you what we do like. It's this show. We're having fun, Gumby. What do we do next? So we're going to transition now to my interview with Jay Perrin, who is fighting the 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. at UFC 282, and he has got some very strong feelings about it. And, of course, we'll get to that interview in just a moment. But before we do, I have to let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Jay Perrin. All right, and joining me today is Jay Perrin, who fights Raul Rosas Jr. at UFC 282. That fight is on December 12th. So, Jay, I wanted to start here. The 10th, the December 10th. Thank you so much. Uh, December 10th. So let's start here. There's so much talk going on about your opponent right now. You know, he comes off the Contender Series, 17 years old. There's, you know, articles about him on every website. What do you make about all this hype around a guy who who you're getting to fight this in, in a weekend? I think shame on you for expecting too much from a child. <laughs> uh, and and again, I, and and people think that I'm being um, derogatory. And I, honestly, you know, now I've heard some of the things he's had to say about me. But uh, you know, it, you're putting a lot of pressure on a kid, man. You know what I mean? Like he's a kid, and and he's not a grown up. And everybody thinks he's. You know, I just think that people are really enamored with how old he is not to say that he doesn't have legitimate skill because he does, but he's not polished. He doesn't, I wasn't particularly impressed with how he got into the UFC with this contract. I think again, people were stunned that an 18 year old or a 17 year old could keep up with, you know, a grown man, but that I wasn't particularly impressed by the skill level he displayed in his last fight. Um, people are going to talk, man. People just love to talk about things, you know, and, and, uh, I think that by putting all this on him, you put a lot of pressure on this kid, which is all the better for me, you know, because I know the more attention he gets, the more pressure he decides to put on himself and the more mistakes he'll make. So I like that. So I, I want to talk about a couple of things you said in there, but the first one being that, that you felt like he was unpolished, that you felt like his performance on contender series di didn't quite live up to what people are talking about it as what, what particularly about what you saw from him Seemed like it, it needed more work. Seemed like it needed it was it was off. So I mean, without you know, okay, right, all right, I'll go in on it. I guess uh, he was. There was one particularly impressive part, which was the stretch that he got, right? And that was that's a high level move to hit that for high like a high level grappling technique, and it was good. But he didn't complete it, and he didn't do it right, and he got out of it. I think people were were from there started to look at his grappling. That's more than it was. He got swept a couple of times. Uh, his takedowns were sloppy. He never secures position. 
he had a person as a grappling expert. You're going to tell me any UFC level grappling expert, any of them that you can name any of them, that if someone pulled guard on them eight, nine times in two rounds and they still couldn't finish that person, how elite are you? Because his last opponent wasn't exactly a, a submission wizard. He gave him full guard several times against the cage, not against the cage. He put himself on the ground, and Raul went to decision. So, again, I get that he, he displayed some flashes of brilliance, but without a finish, that means shit to me. It doesn't mean anything to me because you didn't finish him. And, two, he outmaneuvered you for half the fight. It wasn't like a blowout. The kid, the kid got swept. He got mounted. He got his back taken in the third. Is, is, you know what I mean? Like, I get that he's got a lot of promise, but we have to stop looking at the thing that's shiny and look at the thing that is. And to be honest, other than him being 17 in that, I've seen people who have done equally that kind of performance and not got signed. So, again, I think it's hot water. I think that he's got – he's a great grappler. But this isn't grappling, homie. You know what I mean? This isn't that. So when it comes to this, he's got to put more work in against people that matter. And I'm going to be the beginning of that. I like that. Now, you, you mentioned, too, in there uh, the, some of the things that he said. Because, you know, you, you've been on Twitter. You've been saying some things about, you know, the fact that everybody's hyping this kid up. But he, he's been saying some things back, too. What, what are some of those things that you've heard from him? And what are some of those things? That's really what it is. Um, mostly... You know, he says he's going to finish me in a single round, and he's going to, let's see, what else? I'm not a man. I'm just Jay Perrin, which could be a compliment, honestly. Um, you know, whenever he can put a coherent sentence together, it, it doesn't really deliver well. So, you know, for a guy who can't really speak well, he's got a lot of boldness in him to speak the way he is about me. Um, here's the thing, man. He could say and feel however he wants, but... No one has ever finished me in the first round. I got finished one time, and the reason that that happened was because I was beating the absolute dog shit. I'll call Glover Teixeira right now. He was in my opponent's corner. and he was, I had three 10-8s on this one guy. It was a mauling, and I got guillotined because I broke my hand and my foot, and then I shot stupid and ended up getting caught. That's how I got finished. No one's ever just walked through me. That's never happened. So... You are blindly arrogant to think that if full-grown men who have done this, let's just give it a name out there, Mario Batista, who is, I'm sorry, he would kill Raul, absolutely kill him. Uh, you're going to tell me that that guy couldn't do it you know, with, with a week to prepare for me and in a full camp when I had a week, and you're just going to walk through me. You're, that's arrogance at its best, absolute arrogance. And so he can say whatever he'd like, but the proof's in the pudding, man. That's never happened. So it's not going to happen this time either. I like it. I like it. Now, you, you mentioned, too, you know, and we've talked about this a bunch of times, about the hype going behind this kid and, and how people are talking him up and too many people are talking him up. What do you think about the fact that, that the UFC has chosen that his debut is against you? You know, like what, what do you feel like that says the UFC thinks about you, what the UFC thinks about this matchup? What goes into that? People see it as a negative, and I don't. Um, I don't see it as a negative. I think it's an opportunity for either of us, if I'm honest. Um, I've been given no favors in the UFC as far as opponents. This one feels pretty close to a favor. Um, you know, I put on two pretty entertaining fights 
Um, I think that they like me. I think that they like how I speak and, and that I'm good in front of a microphone. I'm not too bad to look at, and I can fight, and I'm entertaining. Um, I think that the UFC is strike-heavy, and I've shown that I'm willing to stand and bang with people. Um, I think it's an opportunity for me to show them that I still belong here and that I, you know, they give me a not-top-20 guy to build off of, and that's how I'm looking at it, you know. This kid's got a lot of hype around him, and I think that they're trying to see if this kid's legitimate. It just shows me that they're throwing, they're not giving this kid an easy fight. If you look at my last two fights and his last two fights, there's no way you think this is an easy fight for him. If you really, if you're really actually doing your homework, and the UFC does, you know. So um, I think I'm the first person that's ever going, that's ever going to, or have has had given him. Wow, that was terrible grammar. Has given him uh, adversity. He's going to face adversity, real adversity, for the first time in his career. I'm not some garbage can that you went to a different country and picked up and, and stacked your record with. You know what I mean? I'm not going to pull guard and give you every opportunity to finish, even though you've proven that you cannot. Um, I'm going to stand and I'm going to put my paws on you until you stop moving. And in my last fight, I fought somebody who had far better credentials as a striker, as an overall MMA fighter than Raul has in his entire career. So um, I think that maybe people are considering it. They're trying to push me out. Or I'm seeing it as this is my opportunity to get more the clout that I deserve because I'm going to beat the shit out of this kid. And I don't care how you feel about me after. I'm going to put my hands on this kid. And when I do, I'm going to take half that height and I'm going to roll with it. And then the UFC will figure out that they have somebody that is entertaining and can, and can sell fights. Guarantee it. I love that. I love that. Now, you, you mentioned, too, gaining some hype and, and picking up some of the momentum. This is also at UFC 282, an event that's got a live crowd, which is, you know, not a lot of them having live crowds this day. But this is actually your second straight big pay-per-view live crowd fight. Do, do you th- do you like that better? Do you thrive better yeah. with a big crowd behind you? That's what, we, that's what we do it for, baby. You know what I mean? That's why, <laughs> you know, I get it, like, not for nothing, but, like, I love to fight. I genuinely enjoy fist fighting. Like, it brings me genuine joy. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that in MMA, not in boxing, because the pay's different, and we won't get into that, that you didn't want, you've never pictured walking down that tunnel, 30 or 15,000 fucking people at T-Mobile Arena, screaming while you're walking, you're bugging. That's what we do it for. We want that. We're prize fighters. We want glory. We're warriors and gladiators. That's what I live for. And when I got that in Salt Lake City, I can't tell you, uh, the, the, if it was a smaller crowd, that fight might have gone different. I fed off of that crowd. That crowd was amazing. So to have it, you know, to, to, to not only fight at T-Mobile Arena in your, in your life is amazing, but to have it on two back-to-back pay-per-views, which, again, if you go back to your second or your last question, probably does tell you a little bit what the UFC thinks about me. I'm good enough to put on these cards. That's for damn sure. And they put me pretty high up on it on the prelims. So I get that's about Raul, but that's, it's, uh, there's two, it takes two to tango here. So um, it's an honor and it's, it's wonderful, but I love big crowds. I've always loved big crowds. Um, you know, I, I, I've acted before in my life, so crowds don't bug me. And, and to either, either it's booze or it's cheers, it doesn't matter. That's why we do it. So I'm going to keep going until they tell me I can't. So I, I, I love it. I, it's going to be his first time, so we'll see how he deals with it. I dig it. I dig it. Now, you mentioned in there, too, that, that you've always loved getting in fist fights. This is your thing. Like, you, you, you love 
fighting people, you know, pay, pay aside, crowd aside, all that kind of stuff. When, when did you know in your life that this was a thing that you, you enjoyed? This is a thing you wanted to do. I grew up in Massachusetts. It's something we did. <laughs> uh, it's just something we did, man. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, how to put it. I guess it, I don't know. It, I was never like a, a, like a bully or anything like that, but you know, I held people accountable for the things that they said to me. And, uh, I wasn't afraid. I was, the, I was the loudest mouth and the smallest person for a really long time, but I could scrap. And I, I don't know. It's just always something that I got, you know, and, uh, I think it's very poetic to fight. It's, it's for me, fighting is pure self-expression and it's like the most base form. It's you. There's just nobody, nobody fights the same. Everybody fights different. And, uh, it's just like being able to express yourself outwardly somehow. And as a kid, I didn't know how to do that, obviously appropriately. So I channeled it into getting in scraps with my friends on the street. Sometimes we do it over basketball. Sometimes we were just fucking bored, man. That's just, that's just how it went. We were just like, all right, well, let's go toss a few knuckles around. And that was pretty much it. So I just learned early and I, I fought with my brother all the time. So, it was, you know, it's just a, a, a long time of, of just getting into scraps. And I boxed when I was six. My, my grandpa was a boxer. So I've been around fighting my whole life. It's just something that I got and loved and, um, I was lucky enough to find it really early in my life. Well, you've come a long way from scrapping in the streets of Massachusetts. So you are fighting at the T-Mobile Arena, UFC 282. Give me the official prediction. How do you see this one ending with Raul? Uh, it's going to be an entertaining first round. This man's going to come at me come at me like a bat out of hell. I can guarantee you that. But a young man's ego is going to play into his downfall. I'm going to give you a second round finish by way of uh, – we're going to go TKO on this one. Uh, he has no – I have no intention of going to the ground with – this person um and the the skill deficit between our hands is staggering so uh i'm going to give you a late second round finish going to put him away and uh balance the force because this kid just doesn't belong here all right well you heard it here first folks this has been jay perrin who fights raul rosas jr at ufc 282 that fight is on december 10th jay thanks so much for the time man i really appreciate it thank you man thank you for having me i appreciate it and that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Picket, and MyBookie. And remind you guys, you can check us out on the social medias at Top Turtle MMA on both Twitter and Instagram. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby-Freeland, he, Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.